the historical context of this hymn previous to the closing chorus is very interesting. The hymn tune is Finlandia. It was a song that was composed in the land of Finland, but it was squelched as Hitler and his Nazi army began to conquer lands. One of the things that they would cease to allow to be done is to have music that would have raised the nationalistic thought of the people that they were conquering. Finlandia was an illegal song for the years that Hitler reigned. The hymn writer who took that hymn tune and put the words to it realized the dynamic of what music can really do. It raises the anticipation, if you will, of what it yet awaits us in glory. And thus, as he penned the words, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on your side. That even in the midst of Nazi nationalism, there was still something greater to look forward to. That's why the largest book in the Bible is a hymn book. Because as you read it, you begin to realize that what yet awaits us is much more grander than what we can ever anticipate here on this earth. There's a purpose in that of why God had that done. It is to remind us of his goodness, his greatness. He understands us. He recognizes the fact that, yes, we do fall, but yet, as David penned the words of Psalm 51, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, we realize how great our God is. And so that hymn tune, Finlandia, it was written because of a river that flowed through Finland, And it raised the nationalistic thought of the people of Finland to where they even got to that point that they stood against the rise of Nazism. There's another river that flows. Described for us in the book of the Revelation, chapter 21, it's the river of life that flows from the throne of God. And dear people, if ever we need to be raised in the nationalistic, not of the United States, but of heaven itself, it would be today. So don't take songs just for who they are or what they do. There's a story behind each one of them. Don't take the book of Psalms just for what they are written. There's a purpose behind each one of them. And God would get our attention today from his word to help us to answer a very difficult but yet a very realistic question. Let's pray together. Our great God, we we do say, be still my soul. And the only way we can come to that conclusion or that statement is is to realize that the Lord is on our side. We are reminded 
that because of the death and burial and resurrection of our great Savior, that we can even stand against all the forces of darkness that would raise their ugly heads to declare there is no God, but yet we know. We know that our God lives. And in that we can have hope. In that we can have peace. In that we can have the sure foundation upon which we stand that Jesus Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again. And that day is upon which we look into the Psalms and we say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For it is in him and him alone that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we'll fear no evil. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So God, I I know that we anticipate that when we get through the pearly gates that we will have a lot of questions. But I really believe that those questions are going to cease for about the first billion years. Because it's during that time that we are just going to relish being in the presence of the one who loves us. We're going to effectively and wonderfully realize of just how majestic you are. We become enthralled with the voices of the thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Music is going to pervade the wonder and glory of our home. It'll be more than a hymn tune of Finlandia. It'll be a hymn tune of worthy as a lamb who was slain. In preparation of that, though, Lord, we find ourselves here on this earth, wallowing around and wondering, what is it that you're up to, God? Why is it or how is it a nation that for less than 300 years was established with the purpose of glorifying you? And how quickly we have, as Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned to our own way. In the most recent times of government officials of this country, I find myself shaking my head and wondering why. How could it be that states in this union would determine that Life can be snuffed out so easily. I believe that's what happens when a nation walks away from God. 
And so, Lord, I, I covet your power this morning. I covet your power to speak your word correctly. I covet, oh, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one who would be leading in the dialogue from the word of God this morning. And may we, may we as a body of Christ, a local assembly known as a church, may we be the spark that may very well begin an outbreak of lives being turned over to you. Because you alone are worthy. We thank you this morning, Lord, for the purpose of being able to pray one for another, to encourage one another. Thank you for the success of the surgery of Ernesto Forteza. We ask for his recovery, for his strengthening. Same praise we give to you for the Success of the surgery of Renee Snyder. She too needs your, your touch, your hand, as she recuperates from the most recent procedure. Thank you, Lord, that you guided the physician's hands. That they were able to take knowledge and infuse it into wisdom. As you directed them, we're grateful for the success of they being able to accomplish what was hoped would be done. We praise you, O oh God. And then, Lord, our attention is drawn to next weekend. And the reason for that, Lord, is you already know that the youth will be going to snow camp. And, and as in previous years, we ask for their safety of arrival. We ask, O oh Lord God, for the impact of your word upon their hearts. We pray, O oh God, and ask for your safety as they participate in events. And then as they come home, we again ask for traveling mercies all of that is the outlay but lord what is more important is the time they will spend in worshiping you than hearing from your word bless those who will be leading and singing and bless the speaker for that weekend that you would empower all of them in the very presence Oh, Lord, may the teenagers sense the very presence of yourself. And may the Holy Spirit, Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon them all. As they fill that gymnasium, I pray, oh God, that they would sense your presence. Open their hearts to the reception of your word. Conform their lives, oh Lord God, to the determination of your word 
And that would be my prayer even here this morning at Grace Community Church, O Lord God, that you would open our hearts to your word, what saith the Lord. And then from it, we would be able to glean maybe just a few crumbs as the wonderful woman that said to Jesus, all I want is just a few crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith as this in all of Israel. May the crumbs fall today, O God. And may we be receptive to picking them up, ingesting them, and then being changed for your honor and glory. We ask these things not in and of ourselves because it is not about us, but in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's in his matchless name and through his blood that we enter now into the very presence of God through your word. Teach us today. Oh God, we pray. Amen. When the questions really get difficult, that's when I will call upon Pastor Isaac. And he will lead you into a study of a question that I have no answer for. In fact, even this morning's question, I was sharing with my wife and and she said, well, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, well, I don't know. Let's pray. (laughs) Thank you, you're all dismissed. <laughs> Sometimes that's one of the easiest answers. I do know that Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says that the deep things belong to God. We, we are not going to know the answers to all of our questions because some of those questions are in the very depth of God that he himself does not make known. But the closing of that verse also indicates the fact, but the things that we can see, we can trust that he will give us the answers. And we trust that this morning, as we try to answer this question, the question is this, how do I get friends, family, if you will, who claim they are Christians, but don't feel it's necessary to come to church to realize the importance of Christian fellowship and spiritual growth. How? If you were to ask God, you would say, God, how do I do this? I'm sure his answers will be a whole lot more intelligent than what I'm about to give you, but I'm going to glean a few things from his word that I trust will be of great help. I don't know, I, I don't believe I've ever heard this statement. We, we say a lot of funny things from New York State. And one of the things that we say up there is this. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And then someone wisely said, but you can salt the hay. This morning, may I just salt the hay a little bit. 
from this question. I came across this saying written by an individual who's a whole lot more intelligent than I, but I, I think you'll, be, you'll understand the impact of it. He writes, what a tragic waste when people turn away from the Calvary road of love and suffering. All the riches of the glory of God in Christ are on that road. All the can't even read my writing. All the sweetest fellowship with Jesus is there. All the deepest discoveries of God's word, all the most earnest prayers, they are all on the Calvary road where Jesus walks with his people. And on this road, and this road alone, life is Christ and death is gain. I think the first step in trying to answer this question is to look at it from a different point of view. My question is, why would believer people sense that church is not important? I, I don't comprehend that. I, I know that generations change. I come from a generation that whenever the church doors were open, we were theirs. And is anyone with me on that? Do you all remember those days? And so the question arises, what, what would even cause believer people to even consider the thought that church is not important? I, I can say that most likely that can be part of the fault of the church. Has the church itself become nothing more than a country club. I remember reading an article, and as I read it, I first chuckled, but then the chuckles were turned to sorrow. At one church in the Texas area, I forget what city it was in, decided that the best way to get people to church is have their elders and deacons do mud wrestling up on the platform on Sunday night. As we have a church, have we become a church of gimmicks? But anyway, I'm going to look at three personal applications to this question. Why? Or how do I get friends and family who claim they're Christians but don't feel it necessary to come to church to realize the importance of Christian fellowship and spiritual growth. The first personal application I would say is this. Have you been praying with thanksgiving? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 it says. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. 
with thanksgiving. I'm sure that you have engaged whoever wrote this question. I'm sure you have engaged yourself in prayer. But have you prayed in thanksgiving that God was going to do what you think he's going to do? We pray for for people's salvation. But have we even gotten to that point in that raising of that supplication, which is nothing more than a request to God, are we saying, thank you, God, for saving him or her or them? We, We pray for that, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful. But Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, add with that, thanksgiving that God is going to do what he promises he will do he's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance and when we begin to pray for someone we ought to be thanking them that God you love them that much that you are going to bring them to that place Will they trust you? The same goes for how do you get family and friends who say they believe in the church? Pray for them with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring them. That you're the one who's going to receive the honor and the glory. Because if we don't add thanksgiving, then we think our prayers, I did it. When we have to realize that no, it's God who does it. The first time I read this question, my initial response was, I and you, we can't change the heart of anybody. But I know the one who can. And his name is Jesus. Pray. Have you prayed with thanksgiving? Let that just stew a little bit on the, on the back burner. Turn the heat down to simmer. Just let it sit there. And it f- begins to fill the house with this glorious smell of God's presence. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Giving, let your request be made known unto God. And don't forget to pray with thanksgiving. The second point is a little bit more difficult, but it is from the Word of God, and it is this. Are, are you living a life that shows the impact of what Christ can make when a person is submitted to Him? Are you living a life that shows forth the impact of what Jesus Christ can do to a life that would submit to him? Let me give you two places in the same book, the book of Colossians. The first is Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. This is one of Paul's prayers for the church at Colossae. The other is in 
the same book, but chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Turn to that passage, a little bit shorter. Colossians chapter 3. If you want to know what it is, if you're really interested in living a life that shows forth what Jesus Christ can do in the life of someone who would submit to him, go to this passage and read it. As we read it, I'm just going to highlight a few things. Therefore, verse 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... First thing, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Above all things, put on what, everybody? Love. Put on love. Ravi Zacharias highlights the fact in one of his defense of a question. He says the greatest characteristic that God ever infused into a human being is the ability to love. Because in that you have also the ability To see and understand the grandness of God and what he has done for you and for me. Love. Therefore, it says, put on. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectionness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our word, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'll leave you to reading the the first prayer of Paul in Colossians 1. But dynamically, I, I really sense that one of the things that has changed in the church is that the church has become more like the world instead of the church dynamically affecting the world. We we've lost. The wonder of a life separated unto God. That doesn't mean that we don't have friends who do not know Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we run and become hermits or create our own little fort and don't let anybody else in. No, that's not what it means. The dynamic is this, is that can people who know us see Jesus Christ in us? So that they would want to know, how does that happen? 
Have you been praying with thanksgiving? Are you living a life that shows the impact that Christ can make when a person submits to him? And lastly, continue to encourage and invite. Continue to encourage and invite. Encourage them in things of Christ. Don't preach at them. How many of you liked being preached at before you knew Jesus? Can I see your hand? No. Don't preach at them. Pray for them with thanksgiving. Live in the midst of them as Christ would have you live. And encourage them in the things of Christ. I mean, when's the last time you went home and the next day, work day, guy working next to you, girl, lady working next to you, and you look over at them, you said, I got to share something with you. Do you know what the Hindu Finlandia is all about? What? Yeah, Finlandia. You know what that Hintoon is all about? No. Well, let me tell you now. You're going to have to go on the website. I'm not repeating it. You go on the website and listen, and you'll be all equipped and ready to go to give them an answer. But Peter tells us, be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you to anyone who asks with all godly fear and trembling. Encourage, invite. Take an individual who does not know Jesus. Take them to a Christian concert that you know the gospel is going to be preached at. Bring them to the Valentine party. Hallelujah. That is going to be a cheap way to share Christ. Because we don't charge you for that. In fact, even buy them a bag of candy and say, here, take this in with you. Making sure that they are Reese's peanut butter cups. (laughs) No. Encourage and invite. Ladies, you have unsaved friends that on the third Tuesday of every month you could say, We're going to be, have you ever had this question in your life before? Why don't you come? We got someone sharing with that. Teenagers with youth. You ever struggle with things like this? Why don't you come with us to snow camp? Teenagers, I'm going to step out on the limb here, but I'm going to, uh, that's okay. I only work one day a week, you know, no big deal. If you invite a friend and they can't pay your way, can't pay their way, you tell me and I'll make sure Tony writes a check (laughs) so that they can go. Encourage and invite. But I do want to close with at least giving you four powerful reasons. And I say them powerful because that was on the heading that I came across these. 
four powerful reasons why or you should attend church weekly and why church attendance can change your life. Are you ready? The first one's pretty simple. God said so. The reason you go to church is because God says so. Enough said. But let me give you a verse. The verse is found in Hebrews 10, verse 25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some have. Oh, you think this is a, a new thing? <laughs> this has been going on for years. Even in the writings of the book of Hebrews, individuals were saying, ah, oh, what's the sense of that? And God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some have already done. And I'm here to tell you this morning, dear people, that's just not about, that's just not about gathering for a Bible study on a Monday or Tuesday night. It's the church you go to, the body of Christ. That's where you are. Bible studies are wonderful, but they are never to be used as an excuse to not go to church. I really think that one of the most dangerous things that has happened to the church is the fact now you can watch church on TV. You can listen to church on a podcast. You don't got to go. Mm-mm. Not in God's economy. Why? Why does God want us to come to church? Point number two is this. Because worshiping together, worshiping Jesus together is powerful. It's powerful. Matthew 18 and verse 20, it says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. God shows up. It's powerful. In John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24, throughout that whole dialogue with Jesus at the woman at the well, she questions the fact of where does worship really happen? And Jesus said, there's going to be a day. <laughs> there's going to be a day where we're not going to worship him either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. For we are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And here's the line that I just love. For he seeks that. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to gather in his name. Why? Because it's powerful. The third reason. Believers need Christian community. We're not far from the book of Hebrews. Turn there. Hebrews chapter 10. Just a few pages to the right. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me read for you verses 24 and 25. 
One of the reasons church is so important because believers need Christian community, it says. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We need to be with believer people. We need to be together. All of you have been at campfires And it is there that we used to have a campfire, a, a Christian camp that I had the privilege of leading for a week. We always closed our Thursday night session with a campfire. Had each one of the campers bring a stick. We weren't going to roast marshmallows. We asked our campers to throw their sticks into the fire. And they would do that. Then I would go and take one of the sticks out of the fire, one that I could reach, and, and I'd lay it aside. And pretty soon it smolders and stops burning. We need each other. The writer of Hebrews says the purpose of that we need each other is to spurn one another on. You can do it. You can accomplish that. Oh, you've got a struggle in your life. I'm going to pray with thanksgiving that God is going to use that struggle to strengthen your faith in him. We need each other. We can't be out there all by ourselves because pretty soon a fire is going out and there won't even be a hint of smoke that will rise. The last point is that believers grow more together than alone. That passage of 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31 is Paul's object lesson of the body, the human body, and how all the different parts fit together. And the reason he does that is to encourage the church at Corinth to stop with their schisms and their divisions and come together as a body and realize that every part is important. We function together as a body. I've heard individuals say, well, I'm the church. No, you're not. You're part of the body. You're not the church. You're part of the body. Some of you have been through surgeries and you come to appreciate the parts that you have. Because now they're metal and they get cold and they hurt. Do you know what it's like, Paul? You know. Do you know what it's like Walking out at, with a wind chill factor of minus 20 with two metal hips. (laughs) 
You walk like Robbie the robot, because that's all you can do. They're not moving. We need each other. Because we are a body. I close with the conclusion of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Therefore, be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within you to those who would ask with all godly fear and trembling. When you ask a person of friends or family, what's so important about going to church? Because we need you. And you need us. We're a body. Why is it difficult? How can you convince them? Pray with thanksgiving. Live according to a life that is dynamically changed by Jesus Christ. And then keep encouraging and keep inviting and watch what God will do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ, the church that you said that you would build and the gates of hell would not be able to stand against it. I am grateful for this local assembly, this body of believers That even this question would be asked because this person is really hurting. This person wants family members to see the importance of church. And oh God, I'm going to say thank you that what you're going to do to bring families together, to bring the body back together, that we would work together, minister together, encourage one another, strengthen one another in the things of Jesus Christ. And then you and you alone, O Lord, will be honored and glorified. And so it is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, whom we believe to be the Son of God, And it is through his blood that we enter into your presence, O God, with prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving, saying, thank you, God, for what you're going to do in the lives of our family members and friends. We rejoice in your power and your presence. May that ooze from our lips this week as we praise you in anticipation of your glory and for your honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.